sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Please let's pray. Father, thank you for another time in your presence. We pray that you will minister to us. We pray that you will transform us by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you about breaking the cycle of control. Amen. Breaking the cycle of control. First Samuel 1. First Samuel chapter 1. Are we there? Now there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophim from the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. It doesn't mean you should try it. <laughs> the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she would weep and not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant, and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16, Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the Lord God of Israel grant your petition. That you have asked of him. 
And she said, let your maid servant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When something is a cycle, it means that it comes and goes and comes back to the same place again. Amen. Amen. It means that you have a starting point. When you go round and round and you come back to the place where you started and it continues in that way. And this afternoon, I want to speak to you about breaking the cycle of control because I want you to look at what we read, verse 7 of chapter 1. And I want us to read it together. And it happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her so she would eat, weep, and not eat. It happened year by year. I want you to say year after year. Year after year. As often as she went up. Hallelujah. And so Hannah had a cycle going on against her in her life. And that cycle was an annual cycle. For some of you, it's a monthly cycle. For some of you, it's a weekly cycle. Some of, for some of us, it's a cycle of events. When this event happens, we always end up in this place. Amen. Whenever there's a disagreement, we always end up in this way. Whenever there's a marital beast, it will be this particular issue. All those things are cycles. You go round and round and round, but you come to the same place. And that was the cycle that Hannah found herself in. Now the Bible says that Elkanah had two wives. <laughs> Hannah's name is mentioned first. I submit that Hannah was married first. And then when she was not having a child, Elkanah decided that, let me add Penina. Perhaps she shall get pregnant. And as soon as he shook the hand of Penina, she was pregnant. Hey, presto. She was pregnant. And Hannah was in the house. But nothing was happening. And the Bible says that it was at the time when Hophni and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. Now when you read a bit more about Hophni and Phinehas, they were priests who were doing what they like. And later on, God's judgment came on them because they were sleeping with the women of the tent of meeting. That's also another sermon altogether. I have a sermon about these women of the tent of meeting. It's called, You See Me, I See You. But I'm not preaching that today. And they were doing what they also liked with God's offering. The offering has to be bent before the priest would take his own. They, they will just put the thing in and say, bring it, we want it now. And yet such men, their wives were getting pregnant. How do I know? Because when the judgment of the Lord came, a wife was pregnant and she delivered and called the child Ichabod for the glory has departed from Israel. So they were living anyhow and their wombs were not shut. 
But Hannah, a God-fearing woman, who thought that she was just coming to marry. As soon as she married, complications. And things she had not planned for came her way. The Bible says, for the Lord had closed her womb. It says, Hannah was barren because the Lord, not Satan, not gynecological reasons, not a curse from her hometown, but the Lord had closed her womb. We normally go under control when the situation is out of our control. Amen, ladies. The things that we come under are usually things that we can't control. And David said in Psalm 18, deliver me from my enemies that are stronger than me. Hannah had come into contact with something that was stronger than her. Many of you, before you marry, you think that everything is conquerable. Everything is achievable. As for me, I'm the type that overcomes. I'm the type that pushes until things are falling in place or and things. You know, Lady Pastor, I overcome, and not only do I overcome, I prevail. But Hannah now came into contact with something that was greater than her. And as you walk on the path of life, you will come in touch and contact with things that are greater than you. You will speak in tongues that things will not go. You will declare, you will bind, you will lose, you will name it, you will claim it. It will not go because the Lord. You will fast. That thing will be greater than you. Sometimes I feel the reason why God makes us fast and pray and all that it's just to give us strength to go through, but not so that the thing will be removed. And even that is still a miracle. The miracle is that you are surviving in the midst of the storm. But many of us, we don't want the storm. And it's human. Nobody prays and says, oh, bring storms. As I'm here. Bring unpleasant things. We're all human. And we all feel the pain and we don't want storms. But God does not consult us. When he's doing what he wants to do. So, the reason why I call it a cycle of control is first of all, the feature is that it's something you didn't make and it's something you cannot also push away. It doesn't go away. That temperament of your husband, you can't control it. Whatever you do, it is like that. You are a gatherer, he's a scatterer. God puts you together. As you gather the socks and things, he scatters them. You see, once I met people married two years and under, and the man said, the reason why I married her is that she can collect things. And me, I scatter all my things. But my problem is, since we got married, Lady Pastor, she's always crying for her mama. Every day she wants to go to her mama. So I asked the girl, when you were married, did you think that you have the opportunity to go? Yes, I miss home. I miss my mama. (laughs) She had met something that was greater than her. You will meet things that you can't change. People that you can't change and you have to live with. Because God has determined that it should be so. And she came face to face with an enemy in the form of Penina. Penina did not love Hannah. Like I always say, Penina understood Hannah's problem. But she didn't love her. Women understand your problem. 
but they rather make it worse. They rather rub it in. They who should know how it feels, they rather make you feel worse. And Elkanah is the man who doesn't understand. You don't have to blame them. They are not in our bodies. They don't have our hormones. They don't understand. Not because they want to be somewhere, because they are not us. That's why the Bible says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Why would it say that if they knew us already, they don't know and they don't understand? Forgive them. Amen. Amen. That's why when you say, oh, I feel this way, put yourself together and move on. <laughs> it's not understood. Why do you cry? Some people say, my wife, every time I'm explaining something or we are discussing that she will cry and that we can't get anywhere. In the... Can you not see that she's broken? Can you not see that the effect of the thing is that has emotionally dismembered her and she needs time to be put together? But it's not seen. It's like, let's talk. Let's get to the solution. And even the let's talk, don't talk into details. Mention the headlines and let's just sweep it under the carpet and live. And let's seal every quarrel in the bedroom. Bedroom solves every quarrel. How many ladies know that? Bedroom doesn't solve every problem. (laughs) Amen. So Elkanah said, why do you weep? Why is your countenance sad? Why do you not eat? Four questions. Am I not better to you than ten cents? All wrong. Why do you weep? Is it not obvious? If you were in such a situation, will you not weep? Do you not see Penina's attitude? Do you think it's easy? You see, it's okay when your enemy is in church and you go home without the enemy. It's okay when your enemy is at work and you go home without the enemy. But when the enemy lives with you every day of your life and you ask me, why do I weep? Hey, does the matter not speak for itself? But a man doesn't understand. Why do you weep? Why is your countenance sad? Is it not a sad situation? Already I have a problem I cannot control. Then there's somebody daily reminding me and behaving as if I am accursed, as if it's my fault, as if it's my making that I am in this situation daily. Because the Bible says she provoked her daily, constantly. That's also a form of control. Constant. So Hannah was not in charge of how she wanted to feel or her emotions. Somebody else was turning the dial. Today I want you to weep so I'll provoke you and make you fret for to weep. Many women have that calling. And when it's not them, they say, why does she behave like that? Why, you see the girl in the drama with Mr. Quay. She said, oh, but he goes home to his wife. If I'm taking just a little attention, such people, when the tables turn, they are very bad recipients. They can't. But when it's them, they'll do it. You say, oh, it's godly love. Oh, it's agape, flow, be happy. But when it's you, you don't say that it's godly love. What you would not like somebody to do to you, don't do to the person. And even when you don't understand, try and put the person in your shoes. But Penina is behaving as if she chose to give birth. And as for Hannah, she's deficient. There's something wrong with her. That is why she's not having a child. But it's something God just does. It's not because you have been a good girl. It's not because you haven't done abortion before. There are better people than you. But the Lord had closed them. Supernatural things you don't understand. 
and you are provoking what God has done to bring her to a place. So now Hannah doesn't decide when I get up. Oh, today I want to go to the market. I'll listen to a good tape. I'll go out with friends. No. Everything she does is in Penina's hands. It's Penina who determines whether she'll be happy today or not. It's Penina who determines whether it will be a good day or a bad day. Why should a human being have so much control of our lives? Why? Why do you weep? Why is your countenance sad? Why do you not eat? Why do I not eat? Do you not lose appetite when you are sad? When you are a man, you don't have a good business deal. You become so disoriented, I have to comfort you. And now you are asking me why I don't eat. Can you not see why I don't eat? And the worst question of all, am I not better to you than 10 sons? A son is different. A husband is different. You may be giving me the double portion. Thank you for honoring me. But it doesn't feel the need. It doesn't feel the void. It doesn't feel, feel the sentiment. It doesn't minister to that need. There are different needs. You see, and many times men feel that if they fulfill a certain need, it should cover everything else. Say, <laughs> so Lady Pastor, my wife, I buy her everything. I'm nice to her. Only this area. Eh? She should accept me as I am. Many cholerics say that. She should accept me as I am. <laughs> if I don't remember her birthday, why is she so sad? She should think about, it's true that she should think about other, but it doesn't make it less painful. Amen. Amen. And year after year, Hannah had to go through this cycle. Why? She has to go to the temple. When she goes to the temple, you know women and body language. When they call them up, will the family please come and give their sacrifice? That day, Peninus slit has a trail. <laughs> and she will come with her many children. Even our dressing, we can make a statement. Even the turban that we will wear, it will look in Hannah's direction. Because that's how we are. <laughs> and the men will see us and say, oh, you have really spotted that you have made the turban to go here to show Hannah that you too you are wearing glittering shoes and they've called you Penina instead of coming up then she'll come a bit then she'll look back Chrissy, Rosalinda, Rosalind are you coming? then as they come As they come, she begins to count them. Oh, but there are seven. Hey, and then Hannah has to come alone. Hannah has to come alone. Because it's the Elkanah family. And as they come, Hannah comes alone. And then Penina, instead of looking for her to go, she steps aside and says, uh, let her pass so that everybody will see that, you know. And then she comes and stands. He says, so what's the dedication you are giving? Ah, we want to call our child Esmeralda, Rosalanda, Roholanda, Zekelanda, Elkana. And the men will sit and say, hey, she likes long names. So. But we know that even the names have a meaning. Even the names have a meaning. You know, as if you are praising God, but in yourself you are saying, Oh no. There's, there's a quarrel in the name. 
our dressing can have a quarrel. The way we take our step, our attitude, even the eyes that we which we will look at you. Men don't see all those things. It's body language. It's a woman's thing. And as they will come up year by year, Hannah will have to go through this humiliation, shame, pain, fretting, depression, despair, not being able to eat every year. Every year. If it were you and I, we would not feel like coming back. I say, you know what? Elkanah, when you go, give my double portion to the Lord. Okay? That's Shiloh. I'm not coming there again. It reminds me of my pain. It reminds me of what I don't have. And as if it's not enough, that penina, she makes things more difficult. God knows what I can bear. Then you become spiritual. First Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. My way of escape is that I shouldn't be there. But with the Jews, Shiloh was the only place that you could come into contact with God. And Hannah kept coming year by year. And the control was year by year. And the provocation was year by year. That was a cycle. And as so, so long as Hannah kept responding to Penina, she was under the control of Penina. What you keep responding to, that is what controls you. <laughs> what you keep allowing to affect you, that is what is actually in control of your life. Not God, not the Holy Spirit. You love God and all that. But that thing that dictates how you feel, dictates how you respond, dictates your actions, that thing is a form of control and you've got to break it. Amen. Amen. And when Hannah came to the temple, once she decided that enough was enough, the Bible says she stood up. Every time she had just wept, been provoked, been sad, but this time, she stood up. When you stand up, you are saying that it's enough. When you stand up, you are saying, now I'm going to take action. I'm not just going to allow a human being to. Some of you, you hate some people so much that they control you. When you see them at a party, you won't be happy. When you see them at a party, you won't eat. That is your Lord. What controls you and your actions, that thing is your Lord. Some of us, in certain circumstances that don't seem to be going away. And once those circumstances show up, we become depressed, provoked, sad, and that is what controls our lives. But today, the Lord is going to break that cycle of control. So Hannah gets up, she stood up, and she went to the temple to pray. When she was praying, the Bible says her lips moved, but her voice was not heard because she was so overcome by what was inside. But she participated in the normal things. They ate, they drank, whatever. And then she went to the temple because she knew she had issues. You see, when you have issues, you shouldn't live a crowd life. That we are all going to the temple. We are all eating. We are all partying. And if you know you have issues, you should find time to be with your God alone. You should find time to wrestle. You should find time to speak to your God alone. Not that we all came. And now we've all finished eating. And everybody is taking a nap. So let's all take a nap. Your case is different. You can't afford to be like everybody else. You have to allow God 
to get into your issues. And then when Hannah comes to solve her issues, there are many deterrents. Eli looks at her and says, oh, you are a drunken woman. Put away your drink. Many times when you are under oppression, when you are under a difficult situation, people give simple solutions to your problem. Put away your drink. It's simple. You are, you, you are drunken. Just put away your drink. You'll be okay. They don't deal with the real issue because they don't even know it, nor do they understand it. So they give you simple solutions. Oh, just put away your drink. Oh, just forget about it. Oh, just live your life. All that is good. But unless you come to the master to give you a supernatural touch, you are never touched because it's not about a simple situation. And people start to describe your things differently. You become a basket case. Amen. People think that, oh, she has a psychiatric problem. This her case is a basket case. I think it's a familial case. People give all sorts of explanation. And Eli said that you, maybe you are a daughter of Belial. A daughter of the devil. A daughter of something, you know. There, there must be something wrong with you. And all that is to deter you from coming to the place where the control over your life will be broken. You will be misunderstood. People begin to analyze your problem wrongly. Put away your drink. You begin to develop a mistaken identity. So then Hannah has to say, I'm not a daughter of Belial like you are saying. I am not. You are giving me another identity that my father is Satan because of my problem. So in even trying to get to God to break your control, so many things are said by men that it becomes discouraging. Allow them to misunderstand you for they don't know your history. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know where you are coming from. They don't know how come you have left the partying in Shiloh to come to that place. Give them permission to misunderstand you. It's part of the process. But many of us, we stop there and we begin to deal with the people. And we become bitter. And we become something else. And we never get to touch the master who was the first reason why we came. We make detours because they give us mistaken identities. Oh, this one, she's not spiritual. She's not a child of God. She's a daughter of Belial. Oh, this one, uh, she doesn't follow the word. That's why she's whatever. Sometimes it's true, but sometimes it's not true. And you have to set your heart to see if it's true. And my, uh, the word Belial means worthless, wicked. So what Hannah was saying, that I'm not a wicked woman. Neither am I a worthless woman. But it is my problem that has made me look like this. Do you know that your problem makes you look different? Do you know that your problem makes you take you on an identity that's not yours? Sometimes you just snap at people because of your problem. You are so overwhelmed. So when they come and say, hey, hi, so why? Your problem makes you like this. And many times, people even call you after your problem. The woman with the issue of blood. Blind by Bartimaeus. Whether you are healed or not, it's your identity to them. Hannah said, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. First of all. 
Another version says, I'm a woman of an oppressed spirit. We can become oppressed by our problems. I have spoken out of my great concern and provocation. NIV says, great anguish and grief. We must speak out of the abundance of our problems. And we must speak till we feel that we have let it all out. Amen. Amen. But many times, the devil tells us, oh, waiting on God is not the solution. <laughs> Coming into his presence, it won't do much. Listening to the word, ah, you've listened to tapes, ah, what has it done? When you set yourself apart, every time you will find that you are rejuvenated, you come with more energy, and you come with more zeal and more focus. The problem would not have gone away then, but you are still energized to go forward. And after Hannah had done all the weeping and all the, can you believe that all these years she had never come to this point? Because she was just responding to Penina. She does this, I cry. She does this, I don't eat. She does this, my countenance changes. She does this, I weep. And the cycle goes on. And the cycle goes on. When she goes to Shiloh, she gives a sacrifice. She mumbles something. But she never meant business with God. But the reason why she was going through all this thing was the seed. The seed that was supposed to come out of her was not a simple seed. And it was going to take affliction and anguish to birth that seed. Because when it takes affliction and anguish, then you are ready to release that seed for God to use. But when it doesn't, then it's like, it's my own. <laughs> I'm not going to. The Bible says that when Hannah finished praying, she went her way. All along, she had been going the way of Penina. For the first time, she went her own way. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have to make decisions for yourself. In the line of God's word and scripture, you have to decide, I'm going to go this way. Not that Penina is in the driving seat of your life. Your husband is in the driving seat. If you, he comes home and then he, he looks a face, then your whole world falls apart. Hey, why is he sad? What will I do? No, you have to examine yourselves. I've not done anything. As much as I know, he's probably having a problem for, of his own. I'll allow him to come out of it. But as for me, I'll flow. Amen. And those of you who are married to very moody husbands, I always tell you, you have to say that, you know, you are not talking. I don't know what is wrong. You may not feel like talking now, but anytime you feel like talking, I'll be there for you. But it doesn't mean that turn off the telly because he's sad. Hey, even the children, shh, keep quiet. Daddy is thinking. Everybody is walking on eggs. He's in control. Why? 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 We give some controls that are not necessary. Some of you, your children are in control. They, they dictate how your life will be and what you do. Why? The only control is the Holy Ghost control. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your husband is in his study praying or reading. A book. He has not minded me. Yeah, what will I do? You are working out. Don't you have things to do? Dream up things to do. Find things to do. File your nails, somebody. Do things that make you happy. Amen, ladies. Your husband is taking business plans, and meanwhile, you're also working, and then you are there. 
He's taking business plans. What about me? What will I do? Dream. You have a dream too. Hallelujah. So he is going out to play golf. What will I do? Play and pay. something to do it will take your mind off and it will keep you occupied and it will make your life more productive amen Amen. women carry things that are not their own and allow the things to control them for what why your husband is eating some husbands is I don't like the food again and the woman becomes so oh I don't like the you are rejected are you contemporaries too You are more than that. You are not your food. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. You have put yourself on the plate that you are the contemporaries too. So when it's rejected, what will I do? Find out what is wrong. Maybe your contemporary too didn't get cooked. You know? Your husband is on the phone. He said, Every day, lady pastor, every day he's on the phone. Don't you have a phone too? Don't you have friends? Don't you have friends? So when I'm speaking on the phone, my husband comes. I have to tell the person, please, I beg you, my Lord has come. Because when he comes on the phone, he will look at me some way. Who are you speaking to? And then if I continue, even two days ago, he'll be looking at me. Okay, I'm going to the bathroom. I was talking to a pastor, so I said, my Lord has come in. I have to go back. I was enjoying the conversation. Because I also have a phone. Say, every day, he's sending texts. Every day, he's phoning. Lady pastor, I want to talk to him. All that. Convey your concerns. But after that, you also have a phone. You have friends. You have things to catch up on. What's your problem? Daughter. Unit. You work. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, so far as Hannah continued to respond to Penina, she was not in control. And many women have given the control of their lives to circumstances, situations, people. And people do as they like with it. But when people know that you have a purpose and you have a choice, they sit up. Even in your marriage. You know, you are nice and everything, but you show people that you have an alternative. It makes them value you more. Every time you are whining and crying, mind me, mind me, look into my face. Are you a mirror? (laughs) The lady pastor, he's always studying his Bible. Don't you have a Bible? Don't you have a tape? Don't you have a praise song? Oh, sometimes I play some praise songs in my house and I just, you know, I boogie. And then when I'm happy, I just flow. Hallelujah. We have to break the cycle of control. And she went her way for the first time. Another thing she did is she ate. She did things she was not doing before. You remember the Bible said that she wept and did not eat. But this time she ate. She decided that I'm not going to be there. Every day this, I won't eat. I'm growing lean. You don't have to wait for your emotions to line up. You do the action. Your emotions will come along. Amen. Sometimes people want to forgive. The way I feel, Lady Pastor, unless my emotions are healed, no. Begin to do the actions in faith and your emotions will line up. 
with the action. So Hannah decided that this time I'll eat. Things that I don't do, I will do. And in that way, Penina's control over Hannah was broken. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of us are controlled by the tongues of men. And they said that this, then you weep. And they said that that, you have become a remote control. You are remotely controlled by other people. And anything that they touch, any doubt they touch, when they touch uh, SABC, you go there. They touch GTV, you go there. They touch Metro, you go there. Why should it be that way? The Bible says that we be no longer children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men. It's time to be stable. It's time to let our emotions align themselves with God's word and what God says about you. You see, habits are difficult to break and they're also difficult to form. But it says that when you do something for about 30 times, it becomes a habit. So when you start, it may look like it's not working. When you start going your way and not the enemy's way, your way and not what people say's way, and you begin to do the things that you were not doing before, it will take time, but you'll get there. You'll get there if you continue to persevere. Hallelujah. Some women say, oh, my husband goes out. He doesn't tell me where he's going. And then he doesn't come home early and all that. Learn to sleep because the nights are short. <laughs> Amen, ladies. You've talked, you've prayed, you've moved heaven and earth. Learn to sleep so that you wake up early, have your quiet time, dress for work, and go. You have a life. But as he is happy somewhere, chatting and all that, you are sleeping in your bed. When will he come? Let me look at that time. Oh my God. Learn to sleep. As you learn, it will become a habit. <laughs> Amen, ladies. She went her way, she ate, and her countenance was no longer sad. We are not told that Penina changed. We are not told that things got better immediately. But Hannah had changed. And that's what I was saying yesterday. Change begins with us. The power of change lies within us. And even with us, it takes the power of the Holy Ghost to change. How much more going to change another person? You have taken on yourself too much, more than you can chew. And the Lord is saying, daughter, break the cycle of control. If the Son will set us free, we shall be free indeed. God bless you. Amen. Please have your questions and answers ready. And the papers, we want to call on our sister, Nora. Is she around? She's ready. She's not here. No, not you. The one who's ministering. Hallelujah. Ah. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just the questions. Gather the questions quickly. Oh, Nora, please come. Yeah. She's ready. She needs a chair. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whilst the props are coming, just give, just be clapping. Just be clapping. It's working. It's working. I think right in the middle. Hallelujah. Let's welcome Sister Nora to minister. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. 
dirt always? Do I need to clean it every time? Oh, hello there. It's, it's been quite a long time. And you, it's been ages. I've always been here. Anyway, nice to see you again. Oh, sorry, I didn't even introduce myself, forgive. I'm Jane P. Sitter. S-I-T-T-E-R. Sitter is my surname. I know you're wondering what I'm doing here. I'm sitting. <laughs> Just like my name says, Sitter. I sit. Oh yeah, I've been sitting here for ages. I'm the first person to be here when, whenever there's any program. You just name and I'll be here. First person, this very place. I used to have friends who sat with me. But one after the other, they've all been anacazzled into what they call ministry work. Now it's me alone sitting. Don't get me wrong. I could have gotten involved, but I choose not to. No commitment, no responsibility. Easy, huh? I tell you, they have tried an awful lot of things to get me involved. But nope, none have worked. I remember meeting Reverend Johnny. Hi, Jane. I said, hi, Reverend. Don't you think it would be a good idea to join the choir? The choir. You see, I've got myself to live with, and myself wants to sit. Besides, this cockroach voice, what can I do? I'll end up messing up the choir. And you know, I stand up for this lady. She amazes me a lot. She, she, I adore her. I, I, I don't know. But you know, even she hasn't been able to convince me. She said, she said, Hi, Jane. What's it done? Jane, any ministry BM? Either join Women with Direction. Brand ministry meeting, get involved. You've been around for a long time. That's it. Mr. Women with direction. I have my own direction up here. And you know this huge pastor, eh? He thinks he can intimidate me with his structure. But no. Children ministry. Huh? Look, I personally don't have liking for children. It's not me. I don't have the heart for that. I mean, look at children. They eat, smear it in their dresses. They are running nose. They will wee-wee, they will poo-poo. You need to change them. No. It's not my kind of ministry work. Children ministry. Look, you come to church clean, whole, and you live with germs and bacteria. No. And you see these ushers who just came around, they think they can let you sit anywhere they want. Look, 
I've been here for quite some time and I sit where I want to sit. Nobody tells me where I should sit. When we were we, where were they? But you know, sometimes I sit back and wonder what it would have been if I had gotten involved. I tell you, I would have been useful at a good lot of this. Oh yes, I know myself. I'm capable. I'm talented. I mean, I mean, just give me the necessary logistics and I will produce. Deliver right on time. But it's a matter of choice. Once again, no commitment, no responsibility. Easy. But one time, I wish I had stood up. I mean, go to them and say, Oh, Reverend Johnny, I want to join the choir for a moment. Um, Auntie Mary, please, I want to get involved. I just want to join the drama ministry. Hey! Hey! Did you see that? That was really close. She almost had my seat. Anyway, thanks for the company. It sort of gets lonely here sometimes, sometimes. But if you happen to be in any church anywhere, you just look for me, I will be there. Anywhere under the sun, as long as it's a church, it could be a lighthouse church. Here, abroad, anywhere, I will be there. My face may change. My clothes may change. My color. I could be speaking different language, but I will be there. If you look hard, if you look really hard, if you look close, really close, you will be surprised that I might look just like you. And you, oh yes, you, daughter, don't be deceived. The ministry work will go on with or without you. He said if you don't praise him, he will raise up stones to do it. So if you don't do it, somebody else with less capabilities can do it much more better. So get real, daughter. It is to your own advantage to get involved, to do something. Daughter, the opportunity is now. The time is now. Now is the season. Grab it. Daughter, get real. Hallelujah. Oh, that was powerful. Powerful. This is a calling, I tell you. (laughs) Hi. We have a few questions here that we'll run through quickly. What happens if you marry and realize your husband is sterile? I don't think it's a very um, unusual situation. I think that that is why we say in the marriage vows, for better, for worse. 
I wish that with my human wisdom I could say just dump him and go and look for somebody else. But that is not, that will not be God's word, you see. And when we come and stand here and we vow, it's for God. We say for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in adversity, for better, for worse. And so it means that you expect that even when it's worse, you will stay in it. And so I have to tell you what God's word says, okay? It didn't say that you could divorce when your husband is sterile. It says you could divorce when the person has been unfaithful. So, I'm a girl with issues. Everybody has issues. <laughs> I love singing and I'm part of the choir. I know that God has great plans for me because I want to be a medical doctor and a great singer like Darlene Sheck, Sissy Winans, and Sister Grace. But the issue is that I love my spiritual father and... He knows it. He nearly broke my virginity, but came back to realize his mistake. I know God has forgiven me, but I don't know what to do. Sister Mommy, please, what do I do? Run. <laughs> run. Run, baby, run. The Bible doesn't say that. Try and uh, negotiate useful lusts. Explain useful lusts. It says flee. And God gives us many spiritual fathers okay so I think that you should forgive the person and all that but for the rela relationship to be restored once he has been attracted to you and has slept with you it will be better for you to run David had a father called Saul but he couldn't stay there and he had to run you too must run so that what God has put in you will come to pass and please try that you don't also play a part in it. You know, no matter how spiritual or how anointed the person is, run. Because your loyalty is to a higher authority, which is God. Amen. I'm a son. I've learned a lot. Can I ask how and what do women have to look before saying yes? That's a tall order. They have to look for whether you are a child of God just like them. They have to marry from the same family. That is the family of God. They have to know whether you are a friend. Because you marry somebody that you can live with. Somebody you can chat with. And somebody that you are um, proud of. Don't marry somebody that when you see the person, you are hiding the person. When they say, bring your wife or bring, they say, oh, stay there, stay there. They are not calling you yet. And things like that. You know? And you have to marry somebody from what you can see can help go along with your vision. If in the beginning alone, there are problems about the vision for both of you, it is a problem area. And you must marry somebody you can um, depend on. Not depend on totally, I mean your whole life, but trust, somebody you can trust and depend on, somebody who has eyes for the future. I think that this is quite a long tip, but if you buy how to be marriageable or how to be found, some of these things will be on that tape. What do you do when you believe... So you can order it from Lady, Lady Pastor Bridget Marion. What do you do when you believe and accept that you have messed up and you are so scared because you don't want another mess? I have too much baggage on my mind. I have too much baggage. My mind is in a wreck. Too many issues. And the Lord is so quiet. Seek help. Seek counsel. Talk to somebody who is spiritual and can minister to you. Because when you keep things inside you, 
Job said, I will speak so that I will not burst. You can burst. And when you speak to an experienced person, a pastor, that you can trust, you will find out that what you thought were issues, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that has not happened before. So God wants your mess so that he can give you a message. So bring your mess to him and let him restore. So look for somebody who has oversight over you and speak to the person so that the person can also speak into your life. Bible says we ought to bear one another's burdens. The person will help you. Amen. What do you do when an assistant pastor's wife doesn't flow with you, the pastor's wife, and seems to hide things from you? Um, you cannot force people to love you. You cannot force people to be open with you. You cannot force people to accept you. In your life as a woman, you will come across Opus and you will come across Ruths. Opus go with you some of the way. Ruths go with you all the way. So don't fight for things that don't work. If your assistant pastor's wife doesn't flow with you, you just need enough flow for the church to work. But you may not need it as a friend, moving and all that. Look around. God will give you other people who will cheer you on and provide your needs. So if your needs are not being met in one quarter, don't look in one bucket. The need must be met here. No, look in another. And then also walk in love. Don't scratch with the chickens. Fly with the eagles. When the person calls you to a battle, don't respond. Refuse to wear your boxing gloves, ladies. And just say that, oh, me, I'm just here to party. That's why I've worn a frock. I didn't come to fight. You see, sometimes a person is pulling you to fight. You greet the person. You do this. Oh, become deaf, blind, and dumb. So, how are you, Akosia? How is it? And she has made her face. Akosia, it is well. Eh? Bye. Amen. If you are going to think about it, why does she do that? So, what can I do? Will she love me? You are wasting anointing, okay? <laughs> Auntie Mommy, please, I would like to know how and from whom you tapped such an anointing. From God, from my husband, from an anointing in the house, and from also listening to women and other preachers that I feel can impact my life. I think that. And God will do the same for you. And also quiet time. I think a personal relationship makes you minister from your heart. Do you see? And when you have issues and you go to God, he will minister to you. And that comfort wherewith you are comforted with, you will be able to minister to others. Okay. Auntie Mami, please, can you take money from a guy you have broken up with? <laughs> Opportunist. <laughs> You have broken up with him. Why are you now enjoying his money? Hey, women, women. I think that if you have broken up with him, let him go. But you are now getting money from him. For what? There's no doubt that there are all kinds of people in a good church. But how can one serve God in the midst of pretenders? They smile with you in the face and turn around to say bad things about you. I thought as Christians, we needed each other. To make it happen. Well, the kingdom of God is like a man who went out and caught many fish. There's starfish, there are red fish, blue fish, different fishes. You cannot. Um, yeah, and Jesus said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. So as long as we are in this flesh, there will be wheat and tares. So don't get disappointed in people. And don't always ask a moral question. Why are people like this? Why do they? You won't find answers. So. 
They are like this because of Adam and Eve. <laughs> All right. So, how can you serve God in the midst of pretenders? Not everybody is a pretender. Some will pretend like Judas, and some will be good, and like John and Co. And so, and you be real. You don't pretend. Usually, when you are real, you will attract also real people. If you are also some way, you will attract and, and select your friends in the church. Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy, that you be an example to believers, not unbelievers, to believers in faith, in charity, in conversation, in the way you. So you can be an example to believers because not every believer is the right way. Okay, so instead of pointing fingers, look at your own issues and you be real and other real people will come your way. Amen. I know it's heartbreaking in the body of Christ to find all this, but the wheat and the tares are together till the master comes. Auntie Mami, please, with the bishop's busy schedule, does the time, does he have time for you? Please tell me. Well, yes, he has time for me. And he does have a very busy schedule. And the schedule is growing with time. But I always tell Bishop that I think that he should also teach about the hidden things of his life. Because there are times when we just go away. And nobody will know that we've just gone away. And we go away not to any plush place or any... But anywhere where we think we can have some quiet, you know, and he does play with the children. He has a relationship with them. He takes them swimming and all that. Maybe if you saw those pictures, ah, is that the bishop? You know, so I feel that many men of God, their lives are out there, but they have a lot of hidden aspects of their lives. In my house, it's my husband who lays our bed, and then he makes tea for me every morning. <laughs> And it's me who rejects the tea and then it becomes an issue. <laughs> you know, and just a couple of days ago, he was giving my little daughter some chicken. And my daughter was saying, no, no, I don't want to say, you are just like your mother. Everything you are giving, you don't want, you know. But I'm learning to accept things. But every morning, we have some quality time together. And we catch up with each other. You know, he may have his Bible on his lap, I may have my Bible, but... We catch up on issues, what's happening, whatever, and then. And my husband is a better communicator. He phones me more than I phone him. You're surprised. He sends me more texts than I send him. You know, so I may look so whatever, but he's more romantic than I am. (laughs) But of course, his schedule is also heavy, and there are times when I come to breaking point, and I think this is hard. There are times I've asked God, I've given and given and given. What else is there to give? There are times I've cried and said, I've given you everything, including the person that means so much to me. I've given. You know, times when he comes home, he can barely open his eyes. And I have issues, but he has solved your issues and he's tired. A few days ago, he was telling me, you know, I'm tired. Issues, this, I was saying that. Maybe you should just allow God to take over many of the issues because I think that you are getting weary with issues. So sometimes I have my own issues, but I don't bring them because the person is already tired. Am I now going to bring my issues to them? Maybe tall and long. So there are times I even weep in secret so that I will not break his heart or make him discouraged. Those times also exist. 
There's summer in my life and there's also winter. But in such times, I've learned to depend on God. Sometimes I stop everything and I just go away with my CD, my messages, my whatever I want to do. And God just speaks to me. I do all my weeping and I come back refreshed. So the things that I tell you to do, they are things that I do myself. Amen. Auntie, please, as a professional woman, how do you balance work and still maintain your home? Uh, am I a professional woman? Uh, pastoring is professional. Okay. Um, I think it takes a lot of grace, some wisdom, delegation. Get help when you need help. You may have to get house help. It doesn't mean you give your whole house to the house help. You must still stay in control. Some of you, you have dashed your houses. It should not be so. Amen. And then also good planning. Plan. Plan that Thursday is your marketing day. And when you go, to, I still go to the market. The people in my house have never been to the market. I still go because I enjoy going. But as time has gone on, people have gotten to know me. People I don't know. Cassava sellers. Hey, Bishop, so I stopped going to Kaneshi Market. The last time I was in Dansuman Market, I said to the lady, Hey, this onion, reduce it, add some. And she was just doing that. And at a point, she said, Sister Mommy, I have reduced. Quickly, I packed my things. I, quit, I paid her quickly. No issues. I left. So I think that good planning and delegation and knowing when to say no. You see, sometimes I have a tall order. Come and cut my cake. Come and do daughter. Come and preach. Come and dedicate my shop. This morning, last, uh, yesterday morning, somebody said, come and dedicate my shop. Come and dedicate my business. Come and counsel me. Come and I've learned to say no sometimes because I've learned to put limits on myself. Say, this one, I can't do it. This one, there's a limit. So sometimes I say no. I want to come and see you for counsel. It's very urgent. I'm not there. This week is daughter. I'm not there. I have learned to say no. I'm not very good at saying no, but after being married to a colleague for about 18 years, I've learned to say no. So you must also learn to say no. Try with the wisdom of God to plan. Seek help when you can. Train the people around you so that they can take a lot of you. And give people what they can do. You know, you don't have to do everything yourself. And I think that it's quite a short meeting, but I hope I've helped. To, and talk to other women. They always have new ideas, how you freeze food, where to get this. When you interact, you get better. If you have to get house help, it's another woman who will usually help you. Auntie Mami, my question is that, how come you talk with so much grace? Oh, mercy. It's the doing of the Lord. How can I be like you? The same God who made me would do the same for you. Amen. It is, is it advisable to date a guy at the age of 21? It depends on how mature you are. If I got married at 21, I couldn't have coped. <laughs> but some people could cope maybe at 21. If I got married at 21, I would go home to my mother every day. <laughs> you know, so maturity is not age. But it's whether you are emotionally ready. Marriage takes a lot of your emotion. Whether you are psychologically and mentally ready, financially ready, spiritually ready, 21, are you ready to be cooking for somebody's son three times a day and not enjoying your youth sometimes to its fullest? Are you ready to be disturbed at night when you sleep? Are you ready to go to the market and combine it with your 
school work and all that. So I think that everybody is different. And some people may be able to marry at 21, but not I, said the cats. How can we be real when we are not with ourselves like we do, nor trust our call? I don't understand the question. How can we be real when we are not with ourselves? Like we do not trust our call. We are not real with ourselves. How can we be real when we are not ourselves? We are not real with ourselves. Like we do not trust our call. And you have to begin to agree with God. Everything that God has said to you. You need to meditate on it. It's not just reading. It's not just hearing. But if you meditate on it, it profits you. Meditation makes the word profitable. So meditate on what God has made you. And it will make you believe and be real. Hello, please. What if my husband stops becoming a Christian? How can I continue? Continue. Because the two of you are not called together. Adam had his punishment. Eve had his punishment. If your husband has backslidden, it's painful, but it has nothing to do with you. The Bible says he will be won by your conversation, your behavior. So just continue pressing on in the Lord. And pray for him. Intercede for him. That the Lord would touch him. Amen. But you shouldn't lose your faith because he has lost his. How do you continue being spiritual when you see yourself getting into sin always? Um, the devil looks for work for idle hands. Most of the time when you are idle and you are in places where you shouldn't be, that's when you get into trouble. You know, but when you are involved and you have a shepherd over your life, somebody you are answerable to, accountable to, it helps you to keep out of sin. So open up your life to somebody so that the person can call you. Like Reverend Saki was saying, somebody said, Pastor, I'm here. I'm about to remove my belt. Why are you there in the first place? The pastor said, zip your trousers. He did. Put on your belt. He did. Walk out. Then he did. You know? <laughs> Not all of us will have such personal Holy Ghost. But when you have somebody looking up to you, and then also, the more you stay in God's presence, the more you are empowered to be holy. You see, but modern day Christians, we don't want to sacrifice anything. We don't want to pay a price, but we have to pay a price. Amen. So see somebody who you see as spiritual to help you with your sin and give you practical ways to overcome. I want to know with you having children, how best can you have a quiet, an effective quiet time? I lock my door and I stay in there and then they come. We know you are in there. We know. Then some start to cry. Some start to fight behind my door. He, he took my socks. I shut out. I said, this is me time. This is God's time. So no matter who, what, it's as the phone even rings. I just need to hear from the master. So I've learned to also say no to my children sometimes. Because they'll control you if you don't take care. What do you do if your husband complains about staying late in church? Hmm. Because he's not in church with you. Well, some of the days you can cut short your conversation so that he sees that you are making an effort. Do you understand? And if you have to meet somebody and it can be done before church, then do it before. And then when you come, share fellowship a bit and leave. We all understand. Use wisdom. Otherwise, you can be banned completely. And then it becomes another issue. How can I become anointed like you, first lady? I think I've answered that question. But thank you for your kindness. How will you help when the person feels rejected? Get the tape. Daughter, when you feel rejected, I believe it will bless you. 
Can I accept the advance of marriage of someone who just gave his life to Christ? Hmm. Yes, you can, but I'll say give him some time. Bible says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And things are proven with time. Things are tested with time. So allow him to grow up a bit as a Christian. But some people become late as Christians. They come as Christians late, but they grow very quickly. You know, Paul was a grown-up man when he became born again, but he did more than you and I who maybe were born into Christianity. <laughs> Do you understand? So God has a purpose and a call for everybody. But give him time. And don't make yourself a condition that unless I see you as very serious, I wouldn't say, I, I I wouldn't say yes. Just say that, oh, let's study each other and see. But if you put that condition, you'll be forced to be unreal with you. But just allow God and God will bless you. And I trust that we will avail ourselves of the messages, the DVDs. You know, Reverend Saki was saying yesterday, we spend money on so many things. But we don't want to spend money on spiritual things. The Queen of Sheba took a journey from the uttermost parts of the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And many of us to take a journey even to this place for this meeting. It's a problem. Because we are not used to investing in spiritual things. But let's invest in spiritual things. And God will bless us. Thank you. Done. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.